Welcome to episode 51 of the Truth and Dare podcast, and welcome to the Alfie Diaries part two, where we bring you behind the scenes of our life at sea, living on a sailboat in the Caribbean with our husbands as two best friends and women who are living their truth. For those of you who tuned into the first Alfie Diary Part 1, thank you so much, and we're excited to bring you another one. And of course, before we get going, we want to share our review of the week. This week's review comes from Beast164. She says, this podcast has seriously changed my life. As a businesswoman, a yoga teacher, and a daydreamer, Allie and Carly speak as if they are talking directly to me. Their conversations are raw, honest, and beyond uplifting. I am hooked. I cannot wait for these two to lead retreats, which we are, and grow the Truth and Dare community. I have never felt so inspired. This podcast has led me to tap into my true, authentic self. Ah, Thank you for the reminder of why we show up and press record on the mic. And if you haven't left us a review yet, and you like being part of this community and tuning in, head on over to iTunes, drop us some love. It really means so much. And it's how we continue to spread the message of truth and dare through your words and reflections. Now, with that said, let's dive into the Alfie Diaries part two. Welcome to Truth and Dare a podcast dedicated to female empowerment through living our truth and daring to change. Hi, I'm Carly Talbot. And I'm Allie Van Fossen. All right, here we are, as Allie said, Alfie Diaries Part 2. Before we get going, we want to give you guys our slug in the honey, as usual. So I'm going to kick things off with my slug in the honey And right now my slug is that I've decided to um, start, well, not really start, but maybe start my own website and blog. And I bought my, I bought the URL and I have a lot of ideas. Um, I bought some hosting for this site, but I haven't gotten it all set up yet. I'm in the very beginning phases and, um, Yeah, I've just been on this journey of kind of figuring out what my place is and what I really want to share with the world and just to sort of do my own thing. And um, Truth and Dare has definitely helped me dive deeper in figuring out what that really means for me. And I will obviously keep you guys posted as that unfolds. And um, I'm just in the very early phases of kind of figuring all of it out. But it's super fun. And I'm really excited. And um, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm working on. So exciting. Um, Okay, mine is not nearly as exciting or inspiring. Um, My slug in the honey is that we just pulled up to this like beautiful, isolated white sandy beach that is its own little island called Sandy Island. And so we're going to have a beach day, which it's funny enough, living on a boat, you rarely wear a bikini, Um, but we are going to wear them today. And if you tuned in last time, you know that we don't shower very often anymore. So it's been about a week since I showered. And then sometimes I don't shave every time I shower. So needless to say, I'm putting on a bikini. My bikini line is out of control. 
And I'm just not sure if it's worth jumping in a cold shower to shave down there. Or maybe I just put shorts on for the day. I don't right, know. because we don't take hot showers. That's the thing. Sometimes one person gets a hot shower. Just one if you're the first one who takes it after the hot water heater has been running. But if you're not that person, you're shit out of luck. And I'm not that person today. So my slug in the honey is my vagina hair. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a rough life. But also, like, we're just embracing the hair because that's the only option. We're also, like, five days of not washing our hair right now, which blows our mind because Carly and I were the women that washed our hair, like, every other day and also did our hair, whether we were curling it or straightening it or doing something to it. And now we don't do anything to it. Um, so if you're someone out there who wants to grease train their hair or oil train their hair, it is possible mm-hmm. and we are doing it. Yeah, you would be amazed at how little you actually need to wash your hair. Um, it's it, it really is mind blowing. So you can do it. I, I know people do it on social media like Lee from America. If you guys follow her, she's all about oil training her hair. And I used to want to try to do that. And I'm like, there's no way I could do that. But now I do it. But anyway, off topic, but not really. Moving on. So we want to fill you in on what is going on on the boat. And the best way to do that is to give you a current location update. So we are on our making our way down to Grenada. We're currently located in one a small island, which is part of the Grenadines, which is like a chain of islands owned by Grenada, um, just north of Grenada. And we're on the biggest of those smallest islands, and it's called Karakou or Karakau. Not sure how to pronounce it. Um, so yeah, that's really exciting. We finally left Antigua. That's so funny. <laughs> Ellie, you just snipped your armpit. <laughs> and then you made a really <laughs> and then you made a really gross face. <laughs> I think I need a shower. <laughs> Sorry, girl. Oh man. <laughs> Okay, back to the show. Okay. I did just sit my armpit. Allie just sit her armpit next to me and then made the foulest face and then just like went back to the outline. So this is the reality of our life. <clears throat> Whew. Anyway, back to the show. So we finally left Antigua, which was a little bit sad because we'd spent almost three months there and it kind of started to feel like home. I mean, Antigua is such a great island and it's really comfortable like in the sense that there were good grocery stores we could walk everywhere we kind of got to know the people who worked at different places like at the coffee shops and um it was just sort of it just felt familiar and so we were a little sad but mostly really fucking excited to just get traveling and start actually sailing so we sailed aka motored our way through guadalupe which is the next island south of antigua and the reason we had to use our motor so much is because there was really no wind at all it was completely dead for a few days and um you can't sail without wind so we motored our way through guadalupe and guadalupe was pretty cool however we did have a serious moment in Guadalupe that we're going to get to in just a minute. And that kind of off put the whole Guadalupe experience, I think a little bit. Um, And after we motored through Guadalupe, that probably took about three or four days. And then we decided to 
post up at this little chain of islands um, right near Guadeloupe called Les Sants. Uh, they are French islands, and they were absolutely incredible. We spent another four days there. Uh, it was like a snorkel and diving playground. We just took our little dinghy boat from spot to spot and jumped in the water. And there were just these beautiful, abundant reefs with hundreds of fish, so bright and colorful. The food, oh, the French food, we literally ate at this crepe place every single day that we were there. And um, we ate like amazing, delicious chocolate and lots of bread. We had this incredible French bread. And it was just this sort of little heaven, this little piece of heaven. If you ever have a chance to visit Les Sans in the Caribbean, we highly recommend it. And um, yeah, that's kind of the update on where we were and where we are. Yeah. And the cool thing about sailing is that you go to these island chains that you would never even, I didn't even know this place existed prior to, I mean, I hadn't even really thought of Guadalupe or Antigua or really any of these islands super far south. Like I heard of St. Lucia and Grenada, but aside from that, not really the rest of them. And then to get to this super small island chain that was just like a postcard heaven. Like that is why you pick up and go sailing because you get to places that you would normally never go. And it was one of those kind of surreal few days in this beautiful Caribbean heaven that we got to experience. But we want to talk about today the challenges and the wins of being on Alfie. And while you could differentiate them, it's really challenging because with every challenge comes a win. And that's such a metaphor for life too, right? Like you work through the messy middle, you work through the struggle, you work through your pains so that you can come out on the other side of the tunnel. And so you see the light and you feel um, like you learned something and like you moved through something. So first challenge, Carly kind of referenced it. Um, we sort of kind of almost sank the boat while we motored through Guadalupe. Um there's a part on the boat, and I want to get too technical and lose you ladies, but essentially when the motor is on, there's a thing called the shaft pack, and it's a, supposed to be a dripless shaft pack, and it lets the prop spin, um, which helps the boat motor. Uh, essentially, when you put the motor into too high of a range, the shaft pack starts gushing water, and this was news to us. We've motored quite a bit before, but not for like six hours of motoring. This, that was our first experience in doing that. So we are pulling into our final stop, Basterre, in Guadalupe, and I look down into the cabin from sitting up in the cockpit. Carly and Mike are at the front. They're anchoring the boat, and all of a sudden, I just see water sloshing all over the floor, and my first inclination was like, oh, a water bottle must have spilled. But then I'm looking through the boat, and there's water everywhere, and the floorboards are lifting up. And now the floorboards are swaying back and forth with the water. And I look at Myers and I just say, what the fuck is happening? He comes down below, pulls up all the floorboards. I mean, the boat is 52 feet. And so from the back of the boat where the water comes out of, the water had filled up all the way to the front of our room, all the way up to the floorboards. Um, it was super alarming. He comes out of the boat. He looks at Carl and Mike and says, we are sinking. Uh, it was just one of those super surreal moments where you don't, you don't think that's going to happen to you. Um, but I do have to say in the midst of it happening, everyone pulled together. Um, Mike, Carly's husband, 
got on the radio, got us into the, luckily there was a marina right by, like literally right there. We pull in there and then getting into the most random smallest slip to pull our boat in so we can tie off to the docks was a fucking nightmare, wasn't it? Oh my God. We were the biggest boat by far in that marina. It was more of a, like a municipal arena marina with small boats of people who probably live in the area or come frequently. So it wasn't these big marinas that are used to having really big boats. And Alfie, I mean, Alfie's big, but Alfie's not huge. But um, some marinas are better equipped to take on bigger boats. And it was just honestly pure chaos, I would say. However, everybody kept their cool. You know, like we all really did what we could do in the moment. Mike was driving the boat. Myers was in the dinghy trying to move the boat into the spot. Allie and I were manually pumping water out of the boat because the batteries were covered with water. So we had to pump manually by hand um, to start to get the water out of the boat. And that happened before we could start using the battery-operated pumps again. At one point, um, the mooring ball that we were trying to tie off to, which mooring balls are those things that you tie your boat off to so you don't have to throw an anchor. And... We were trying to tie off on it and like somehow it slipped under our boat and got stuck in our propeller. And that was a whole thing because they then they had to send a guy who worked at the marina to dive down and get it out. And all of the while this is happening, there is a severe language barrier because everybody spoke French and we don't speak a lick of French, even though Ali took it in high school for four years. Which was 10 years ago. <laughs> I took it for eight years, but still. Oh my it's God, embarrassing. Don't talk about it. Um, there's this huge language barrier. So we're like trying to communicate. We're using hand signals. Luckily, some people were able to speak a little bit of English. And I mean, I think that sinking and panic is pretty much universal, universally understood. <laughs> Definitely. So, I mean, all in all, this was probably like a two to three hour experience from the time we noticed the water in the boat to the time we got it out of the boat. Um, We found the leak. Thank God. Uh, We can now manage the leak until we can get it fixed, uh, which is a whole nother story. We're not going to bore you ladies, but at the end of the day, the winds, right? So we had this huge challenge that we were not expecting. Um, The wind is that humanity, shared humanity and connection trumps all language and cultural barriers um, when you're in a moment of crisis and trauma and need help. And that the four of us pulled together and worked as a team in a moment of crisis and everyone kept their cool, like Carl said, and just the we focus on the main priority, like get to safety and get the boat back into a safe place. So, um, and then funny enough, we just met a man here who that same thing happened to in a coffee shop. The same exact part failed. He was offshore, but he told us that he had all this wine down below where it filled up with water and it ruined all his boxed wine. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting to hear from other people. And so, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Next challenge, laundry. Laundry. Oh, laundry. God. Okay. Laundry is a challenge in your everyday life, right? So laundry is even more of a challenge now. For the first couple of months, Ali and I just basically thought we were living in this life of luxury where we dropped off our laundry and got it picked up. And we're like, oh, just drop off the laundry now. And um, so that was nice. That was a nice alternate reality that we lived in and then we looked at our bank accounts and we were like oh 
I guess we shouldn't be dropping off our laundry. Like, what planet do I think I'm on? In my real life, I was never dropping off my fucking laundry. Now, all of a sudden, I can do that. But anyway, um, so, yeah, we indulged in these laundry services in Antigua. And it was because we didn't really want to hand wash all of our laundry. I mean, there's four of us on this boat, two boys that get, like, really, really dirty and smelly, two girls who are pretty much equally as dirty and smelly. Like, we're like everything is really dirty when we need to wash it. We re-wear outfits for at least three days or longer. And so the clothes really need to be clean. So anyway, getting down to the point, we ordered this plunger thing. It's like a giant plunger and then it has a handle on the top and it's like three or four feet tall and you hold on to the handle and you put all your clothes in a bucket and then you plunge them up and down. I'm doing the motions, but you can't see me. And it creates this like plunger suction thing and that's how you wash your clothes. And so... um yeah, that's what we started doing. We finally did it. We finally plungered all of the clothes. First of all, it's a huge workout. Like I was just telling Allie how I need to work on my upper body strength. And then I realized like, oh, just kidding. I Because I plunged my laundry now. So I'm good. You're good to go. <laughs> you're totally good to go. And you're also leaving out the part that then you have to wring out every piece of clothing <sighs> by hand, oh which wringing out a fully wet towel is like lifting 20 pounds it's like a dead body even it's, though i don't know what oh that yeah is weird comparison like, sorry yeah, yeah okay too much and then you got to clip it all around the boat so like when we do all of our laundry the entire boat looks like a laundromat because the every single line that you can clip something onto has clothing on it and like double clothing on it and thongs and anyway we did all the laundry that was like the the silver lining of almost sinking because then we got to the marina and we did our laundry for the first time. Yeah. And we felt like really accomplished. So the win in this is that number one, it really makes us appreciate actual washers and dryers, which are the things in life that you take for granted. And until you go on the crazy journey like this, it's hard to appreciate modern appliances. So that's number one. But what's more important is that it's uh, made us appreciate how capable we are of handling that sort of thing. And it just sort of brings you back down to your roots in a way. It's very humbling. And um, in one of the books we're reading in book club, uh, it's called The Book of Joy. Uh, the Dalai Lama talks about humility and how it comes from the Latin word humus, H-U-M-U-S, and it means to literally be grounded to earth, to be brought back down to earth. So it's just this experience of kind of taking you out of that mindset of like, I'm too good to do that, which I think we are sort of holding on to like, oh, we'll just drop our laundry off. And I don't ever want to like, I don't think of myself as like a hoity-toity pretentious person, but I do realize that I have these characteristics in me. And so it's really nice when you have these experiences where you're just like fucking plungering your laundry and sweating and like wringing out your underwear um, that really bring you back down to earth. Mm, so well said. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I, I do think we thought we were above it for a little bit. Absolutely. Just like with the avocados. We thought we were above the Florida avocados. We were waiting for the Haas. We never got the Haas. Now we haven't seen avocado in like weeks, you guys, but <laughs> for the avocado update. Um, 
Yeah, it's a really good point. Thank you for sharing that. So next challenge, uh, the passage to where we are now. So we left from Lasance, which if you look on a map uh, where we are right now, Karakou, um, it's pretty far. It's 220 nautical miles and it was about a 30 hour sail. We left at four in the morning and then we sailed all through the night and arrived around like lunchtime the next day. Um, we have friends coming in town, so we need to be in this area and we didn't want to like stress about it and push it too far because in the sailing world, you go during weather windows. You don't get to go when you want to go. You have to go when it's safe and when there's enough wind so that you can actually sail, um, which is a whole nother lesson in surrender, right? But anyway, this was our first overnight sail and currently we don't have autopilot set up. So autopilot is a steering mechanism that you set it and it literally steers the boat for you. You just need to be on board to trim the sails and of course to watch the boat. But we don't have that yet set up. So we are hand steering right now. So this is a 30 hour sail. We split up into groups of two. Uh, Carly and Allie went into a group. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> we went, we went with our husbands who are very capable. And we went on four hour shifts. And so four hours of Myers and I, four hours of Carly and Mike, and we'd switch. And during our downtime, we would just relax and uh, try to rest because then as the night shift came closer, it got really tiring. Um, and the nighttime is a whole nother world. I mean, we had really great wind the whole sail. Like we were zooming. But um, I mean, we were really far out there. Like we were at 9,000 feet of ocean depth. Yeah, we saw whales. There were whales around us. We think maybe sperm whales. We're not sure what kind. Mm -hmm. That's how deep we were. I mean, it is just insane to think that the ocean is that deep and that we were over 9,000 feet. I mean, I've never been in that, like on a cruise, but like yeah. you're not looking at the chart plotter on a cruise. So um, anyway, when the night comes upon you, it is very surreal. I mean, everything is dark. The ocean is dark. The sky is dark. As you're driving the boat, you're just looking into the dark and it's definitely scary. Like I, I think I secreted all of my fight or flight stress. I don't know what you'd call responders. those responders. Yeah. Receptors, responders, like, like the amount I would use in three months probably or more in one night. Um, and also the wind picks up at night. So we, we called Alfie the night rider. Like she transformed once the sun went down and literally from like 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. She was just zooming and it was like, it's just intense. Like a big boat like this is really intense to drive with intense wind. So, um, but needless to say, the winds of the whole situation, um, even though it was stressful and a little bit anxiety inducing, Everyone was good. I mean, Carl didn't get seasick. The It was a good ride. The waves, the seas were nice. The waves were nice. The wind was consistent. Um, we pre-prepped all the food on board. Uh, I think everything went really well. Everyone worked together. Alfie shined and we made it here safe and sound. Hell yeah. We also binged on like a ton of podcasts um, and we're able to... I don't know. You have all that downtime, so you can read a little bit. And that was kind of nice, too. But yeah, we just the winds coming out of this were we felt really proud and accomplished. We feel like 
you know, we're feeling salty. We're feeling like, all right, we're, we're sailors. Like we can talk. We are part of this community. Like we can actually like be part of the conversations hours before we were just sort of dipping our toes in. So it was the first big step. And we feel really proud of that. We also feel really proud of the boys. The boys, I don't know how, I mean, we wouldn't do this without them. Allie and I would just be sitting in a, on a dock somewhere at a, at a marina, <laughs> at a marina, like hanging out, doing, doing yoga on the dock. Um, they were incredible. You know, they took control of the boats at night. Not only that, they're always taking control of everything and they are just two awesome guys. So we're really lucky to have them and we're really proud of everything that they did. And, um, we call them Eminem, Mike and Myers. <laughs> It's funny. And then, um, yeah, we're just really happy to be doing something that a lot of people wouldn't be doing. It's just, I don't know, like when you're stealing like this, you go through so many emotions. Should I be here? Should I not be here? Was this a mistake? I'm spending all this money. I'm broke. I'm so happy. Of course I should be here. This is so beautiful. I'm going to throw up. Like you have all of these thoughts and feelings and then you do something really cool like that and you're like, you know what? That was really fucking cool. And I probably never, not probably, I definitely never would have done that under any other circumstance. So it's yeah. just a good feeling. Yeah. Okay. That's what happened. We made it to, we made it to the Grenada area. Mm-hmm. And one more thing on that whole like, you wouldn't be doing that thing. I think it's such a good reminder because when you are on this boat, sometimes you have these like huge like lulls Mm -hmm. where you kind of feel like, am I doing what I should be doing with my life? Like I have all these goals and dreams, but I'm here sitting on this boat with no Wi-Fi and like I don't have a car. I can't go to the places I want to go to. And my mom had like some really good parting wisdom for me because I have this like tenacious fire to go get all these yoga certifications now that I'm not in a cubicle anymore. Um, But at the same time, she's like, you shouldn't do that right now, Allie, because you're in this brief moment of your life. And I think, Carl, you can relate to this. Like you're in a brief Mm -hmm. moment of your life where you can always go do another yoga training. You can do a yoga training until you're 70 years old and and beyond. And um, she just said, you only have this small blip in your life where you get to be on this boat with your husband and with your friends and you're never going to be able to recreate it in this moment. So soak it up because like the percentage of people who are doing what you're doing is so small. So it's, you got to kind of stay grounded that hummus mm-hmm. that you were talking about, the humility of the opportunity that we have at our fingertips and not like let the emotions of it all kind of like trumpet for you in a sense. Yeah. And that that's hard to stay connected to 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good point and bringing it back to the beginning. So I thank you, Harriet, as always, for your wisdom. You wise, wise woman. Jewish mother. Jewish mothers. They know best. <laughs> okay. Moving on to another challenge. Kind of really actually perfect going off what you just said, Ali, which is just the challenge of navigating living with two couples. I think Ali and I have talked a lot on Tad. And if you're in book club world, then we've talked a lot about it there, about her and I navigating our own relationship. Um, but we haven't really talked about what it's like living with two couples on board. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. We're all up in each other's shit. We live on a 52-foot boat. You can literally walk from Allie's bedroom to our bedroom in about five steps, maybe seven if you're taking little steps. So we can't get away from each other, really. And it can be challenging at times because 
like couples do, you have your little tiffs and your weird little shit and your strange little nuances that um, bother you about your partner or, you know, just that make up your your relationship. And um, we're around each other for those things. You know, one couple might be getting into it and somebody's in the room or, or nearby and you kind of have to tune out. And it's the challenge of like trying to stay out of each other's business because most of the time these little things are really silly and we might want to chime in because me and Allie are the type of person that always want to chime in. So learning how to back out of other people's business, give them space, allow each other to have space as couples and just honor the two separate entities that are each other's marriages because it can be really hard. And I think in the beginning we were maybe all together more often. But now, like, I think we have gotten to a place of, well, we're still getting there, of course, but we're getting to a place of, like, going into your room, you know, shut your door, like, have some time by yourself, um, get off the boat if you need to, separate. And, um, you know, like, we split up the other weekend. Mike and I went and camped, and um, Allie and Myers stayed in in a different area, and we split up for a few days. But the point is, it's hard, you know, we're all up in each other's business. And so just navigating that is, is tough. But I think the win is growing super close to our partners, having all of this time together, creating these memories. And as always, learning how to honor each other's friends and honor each other's space. So well said, like, I don't think I've been this close with Myers like since college, because I haven't had the opportunity to spend this much time with him. You know, once we got out of college, it was like work, 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 work. And on the weekends, you're like hanging out with girlfriends, you're doing your own thing. And yeah, we go on dates and we would go on vacations. But I haven't spent this much quality time with him in a really long time. And at first it was really hard. (laughs) Um, But it's like you said, become this super beautiful, really special thing that I feel really grateful to be experiencing with him. Mm -hmm. All right. Last thing before we conclude the Alfie Diaries part two, we have to talk about this weird ass plant that we bought from the grocery store. (laughs) So just to give you guys an idea, almost every grocery store has amazing local lettuce that's super inexpensive because it's grown here. And we first came upon what we are deeming the house plant in Antigua. And the, the first few times I saw it, I was afraid to buy it. It literally looks like a house plant um, that you would put in like a pot and water and it would grow indoors. Mm-hmm. We come to find out it's spinach and it was actually so good, like way better than the spinach back at home. Mm-hmm. Super tasty, super um, like tougher. So it yeah. didn't get so wilty and we freaking fell in love with it. So we get to here and there's this big local lettuce looking thing that's super inexpensive so that's usually the sign but then what happened well then this random lady we're like what is this like is this that is this the house plant that we've been looking for and this random woman comes next to us and in an accent i'm not sure where she was from but she's like it's spinach and we're like oh well this much must be like the grenada spinach like we're totally gonna buy it we bought two huge bags of it we come home we open it up and it's like the this ginormous leaf that's shaped like a heart and it looks like the big plastic leaves that are like in a doctor's office or something like a fake plant and we're opening it up and Myers is looking at us he's like oh god girls you've gone you've gone too far he always makes fun of us for the leafy green obsession and 
I'm like, no, we, this is it. Like, we can eat this. Like she said, it's edible. It's at the grocery store. It's fine. So I, so I peel off a little piece and I put it in my mouth and I start eating it. And I'm like, this is fucking disgusting. I don't even swallow it. I spit it out. And I'm like, that was really gross, you guys. I really think this is a house plant. I don't know. And within like a minute, I start getting the strangest feeling in my mouth. It feels like I my tongue is like getting pricked, like and my mouth is getting cut and it's like burning. And I'm like in serious physical pain. And then Myers, I don't know if he didn't believe me or if he just like wanted in on the party or what, but or if he was just being a good friend and like joining me in solidarity. I'm gonna hope it's that one. But he comes up to the house plant and he pulls off a bunch of pieces and he like eats it and swallows it. And the same thing happens to him. The next like fat, the next couple of minutes, he's in even more physical pain. Like he's like, "What the fuck is going on? I don't know what's going on. I feel like there's glass in my mouth." And then I'm like, "Oh my god, did we just like eat poison?" Then I'm like, "Wait, Myers, are we gonna start tripping? Like, is this a crazy hallucinogenic? What's going on?" So yeah, it was really bad, and we we're like, "Fuck this plant!" We threw it out. We threw all of it out, and then. We go to this little shop, coffee shop the next day and we're working on our computers and the w- the woman who works there, she makes all this delicious food. So we're like, oh, she must know. So we're like, listen, we need to know what's going on. We bought this plant. It's called like Callaloo. What is the deal? And the deal is it actually is edible, but it cannot be eaten raw. The stem has to be like peeled and then like sliced all these ways and you just slice all the leaves and then you have to boil them with water and butter and salt. It's a whole thing. But, you know, the important thing is we didn't die. You didn't have, well, I was gonna say you didn't trip, but that might have been kind of That would have been good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But the point is, it's not an edible houseplant. It was a houseplant fail. It was a major houseplant fail. So we did find some romaine and, um, we're just like really looking for some greens. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to find it when we get to Grenada. It's a much bigger island. but And instead, we'll probably just have some beers today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. So where are we off to next? Um, like we said, we're heading to Grenada and we're going to be there for quite some time. Um, I am finally turning 30 for real. You're already 35. I know. And you're already 37. I don't know. You're 70, though. (sighs) Fuck, I know. For those of you who watch Frankie and Grace, (laughs) and if you don't, please watch on Netflix. I'm definitely Grace, but that is not how I would dress. And Carly is totally Frankie. It's ridiculous in all the right ways. But anyway, um, we're going to be in Grenada for quite some time. We're celebrating my 30th, and our best friend Linda is flying in town, who also turns 30. Um, which will be super fun because they're our first visitors on the boat and they're staying on the boat yeah, with us. Yeah, she's coming with her husband. So there's going to be six of us partying up, 30th birthday weekend celebration. It's going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. And then Carl and Mike fly home to Florida for like two and a half weeks. So we're going to be in Grenada for about a month and a half, but it's good because we have some work to do on the boat. I am launching a new yoga program. Um, there's just a lot to get done in the next month. So it's a good time to post up and um, get comfortable, get the lay of the land and focus on some stuff we need to get done in the world. So that concludes Alfie Diaries part two. We really hope you ladies are liking these. They're super cathartic for us and really funny to record and (laughs) really lighthearted. And 
hopefully we can listen back to these one day and really laugh. Um, anyway, if you're looking for some more inspiring Live Your Truth, Dare to Change podcast episodes and you're new here, head on over to truthanddaremovement.com. It's where you can find our entire library of episode posts and blog posts and tune into all the conversations we've had thus far. Thank you so much for joining us. And hey, if you're listening in on your phone, screenshot that and tag us on social media. We love to see you ladies connecting and sharing the message and it just makes us feel good. So tag us at truthanddaremovement on Instagram. And we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.